0: Find us on Facebook and Instagram at VOC Nation Wrestling Network, and follow us on Twitter at VOC Nation.
1: Randy Savage has regained the championship!
0: here is the future of wrestling wrestling with history worldwide in the VOC Nation Wrestling Network the voice of choice bruce word back uh, once again with uh, wonderful willie bill aptor the legend maker and well, uh, bill unshaving,
2: we don't have
0: unshaven today unshaven me too me too yeah. And uh, we're we're here today uh, with somebody else because Ken Resnick is unable to be with us tonight. Ken is, uh, has a previous commitment or a different commitment. So who do we got, Bill? Who do we got with us as a fill-in for Mr. Resnick? Well,
2: we have, and by the way, Ken Resnick uh, is on assignment right now. And we can talk about that next week with him, but we have one of the uh, best professional wrestlers that ever graced the ring. And every time I would see him and take pictures from ringside and interview him, not only was he cordial, but in the ring, he was one of the, the best competitors. He had one of the best flying drop kicks I had ever seen. Everybody remembers his flying burrito. And uh, yeah, and I had a great and still do have a great personal relationship with him and he and my dad were very close during the years my dad was alive and covering the matches in florida and we're talking about raging bull manny fernandez welcome to
1: wrestling with history thank you so much for having me in this time and yes we go way back and yes your dad was one of the biggest influence in my life and when i was a rookie in florida yes thank he was you.
2: Thank you, Manny. But you know what? We're glad we have you on here. We almost couldn't do this show because prior to this, when we were just chatting before coming on the air, you almost lost your life last June of
1: 2020, correct? Correct. Tell us. About correct, you. sir. Uh, okay. We were coming home from, uh, I was visiting family. I lost my brother to a car wreck. Believe it or not, he just died in a car wreck in California. We're coming home from El Paso with family, and eighteen uh, wheeler. There was a big dust storm, an eighteen wheeler cut across, and all of a sudden stopped in the middle of the highway. And we hit that thing going about sixty miles an hour, and totaled the vehicle. It caved the whole vehicle. And people, the uh, state troopers that got there said they thought we were dead. And like I said, if it wasn't for my caretaker and little Regimus, my little service dog, probably would have. I mean, my head went through the windshield, and and, uh, it was just, it was a horrific accident. And it was so bad that I was so worried about my service dog more than I was myself, because I was worried that he got crushed, and I was worried that I couldn't get out of the compartment. It was all, caved in on me, I couldn't get out. I literally had ripped the steering, how I did it, I don't know, but I ripped the steering column off of the dashboard and got out. Wow. Nobody uh, got up and you know, and of course, Reggie was there for me. And I mean, it was, it was something that was pretty bad. If you saw the pictures of my vehicle, you would, uh, you would think that people died in this wreck. Cause there was really nothing left of this Little Chevy Blazer, 2004 Chevy Blazer was crushed like a tin can. You know, it was horrific. And took me a long time to get my head from my head injuries and stuff. And just uh and you know, I've been through a lot of pro wrestling, you know, you should know, Bill, I've been shot, I've been stabbed. I've been through, but I've never been this close to something like that, you know, and where people actually thought you were dead, you know, I'm very fortunate, God bless, and think thank uh, <laughs> that well, I'm here to you know, talk here. to you. And- yeah,
2: we are glad you're here talking to us.
0: Yeah, Manny, it's so funny because um, we got to connect because you're a fan of the show. You like listening to the show with uh, normally with Bill, me and Ken Resnick. And we uh, we connected, I think, via Facebook. And you started saying, well, I would love to do a show. And uh, the next thing you know, (laughs) we start talking and uh, BS with the Bull is born. And that is coming soon to the VOC Nation radio network where we're going to tell stories every week. Right. Hmm. stories about the greats
1: stories about yeah. the greats I'm, you know i it it goes back to me you know a simple person that used to be a, a by ringside and ring the bell and stuff why i say that about bill after dad because i was a rookie and i just came from one of the best territories in the country Amarillo, which was closing down mm-hmm. and had some of the greatest old timers and legends and i can go on and on the people that came out of west Texas state but out of all that, all that advice I got, I never thought that a guy that was just there, ringside, ring the bell, could really touch me and tell me things that would further my career and tell me, you're doing good. It's okay, kids, don't get down on yourself, you're still oh. doing good. You got to do this and that. I mean, you know, if, if people would understand that there was people in the business that were outside the business, outside the ring, that had the knowledge, like Bill's dad did, they would understand the real reason of professional wrestling. How awesome. people respected it, how they loved it, how they looked up to it, how they took care of it, even if it was just a ring announcer or a bell ring. I mean, he was a big part of He would tell me every time I wrestled there, he'd get in my ear and say, ah, get a little more fire, kid. You know, you got to come up fighting more, kid. You know, it's, it was amazing. You know, the people. The
2: quick story behind that is when my dad and mom moved to West Palm Beach, Florida. My dad asked me if I could hook him up because, you know, I used to always he and I used to go to the matches in New York. And I called Eddie Graham, and he said, "Well, just have him come to West Palm on Monday nights and dress with a sport jacket and a nice pair of pants and shoes, and he can ring the bell." So he was put next to Mitch the uh, the. Uh, person uh, with the athletic commission down there, and my dad used to ring the bell, and everybody thought that my dad was the commissioner because of the way he did it, (laughs) and he would always call me after the matches on Monday night at my apartment in Queens, New York, and say, oh, uh, Ernie Ladd said hello. Oh, this one said hello. He says every week when you were in that territory, he always said Manny Fernandez sends his love. Every week.
1: Yeah, you, you know, there's people that'll tell you other people, other people influenced them, you know, and I had some great influence, of course, the folks and Murdoch and all them, but that was important part of me, It was a rookie, I was learning things because, you know, there was a group of rivers there, Steve Kern, Jimmy Garvin, and of course, that's them, and Jack and Jerry Briscoe were the worst. They knew I was brought up by Murdoch and them. So they knew I was kind of nervous and jittery every time I was out there. So they'd always give me a bunch of crap and and (laughs) make it seem uh, more serious than it was in the ring. And and (laughs) your dad always made me relax. I knew it would be better. And he was just a regular guy, Manny.
2: He he didn't. Yeah, look. He
1: he was was, like. We watched. Yeah, that's what I. And we learned that way. Yeah, that's what I respected about him the most. He was just a regular guy out there doing his little job and giving me advice and telling me, you look good, kid. And that, that made my night. It made my night, and I felt good, you know, that I could impress somebody. And when you're a rookie coming up in the old days, it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. They didn't come back there and pat you in the back and say, hey, great job, kid. Well, they rolled your butt. They told you what you did wrong. Danny, care.
0: Did you tell me on the phone that when you came up in the business, you actually thought it was a shoot for a little while before you yep. were smartened up. Is that true? <laughs> yep. Yep. I sure did. I sure tell, did. Because Tell us but, how that went uh, down. Cause that's interesting. Well,
1: when I went to West Texas state, there was a kid named Kelly Koninsky there, Dean Koninsky's son playing ball. I remember okay. him very well. You know him well. Well, he was playing ball with state, and kept talking about these guys. And you know, I was an amateur wrestler, and my my idol was always Dan Gable. That's why I like greatest wrestler I ever put on a pair of wrestling shoes. There's a big difference between Dan Gable and Gene Kaninsky and Dick Murdoch. So, geez. Kelly Kiniski always you know, talked about pro wrestling. I give him at the training center and practice and stuff. And I'd always him a bunch of crap. You ah, shut up. That stuff's not real. And, uh, he got to talking about, uh, some guy named Dick Murdoch and stuff. And then we, you know, we'd hang out, hang out at the bars and stuff. And of course I'd get in bar fights. You know, I was a <laughs> Vietnam vet. I wasn't going to put up with anybody's crap. I was, came home from Vietnam and, and went back to college and it was kind of a little bit harder for me to adjust. You know, and a bunch of young punks talking crap. I just got in a fight, beat you up. So he ran out and told Dick Murdoch all about me. And Dick Murdoch showed up on campus one time. And <laughs> all the other black ball players said, oh, man, here comes the KKK. And I go, what? What are you talking about? And it was big. I saw this big six-foot-four, lanky arm, buggy whipped arm guy. He come up to with big pop belly and stuff. This is that's Dick Murdoch, one of the best pro wrestlers in town. I said, is that pro wrestler. Yeah, <laughs> You know? <laughs> and for some what crazy reason, they just we hit it off. He thought I was a nutcase. He kept calling me a nutcase, and we hit it off and uh, he started taking me to to shows and, and you know, I was going like, what are these guys doing? You know, they'd all ride in one car and everybody else ride it, but they all go separate ways, separate dressing room, boom, boom, boom. I was told to sit up at the very top of the stadium, the bleachers up there, sit down and just watch and shut up. So basically that's what I did, you know? So I saw all the of going, of the you know, cars, different dressing rooms. And so I got, you know, I never known yet. I knew that they were coming in separate ways and separate dressing rooms, so.
2: Is, since since you, yeah. came along, Bruce, you came along in the middle of like the, you know, the, the fan days of the Hogan era and all this yeah. stuff, before that era, Everyone that came into the business thought it was a shoot. There was no people would have their and Manny will back me up on this. People would go into the ring in a in a training facility and have their leg broken. Hey, this is real, kid. Yeah. You had to pay yeah. dues, take the bumps, and you weren't really smartened up until they you were really accepted into the business, right, Manny?
1: Correct. It's like when I first decided, I didn't ever, I get told, uh, Bruce, and you know this, I never wanted to be a pro wrestler. They brought me into it because I was an idiot, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it's it really wasn't my this. So <laughs> I wanted to play in the NFL all my life, you know, but I didn't. It didn't happen. It didn't happen, you know. So, you know, I, I knew that I couldn't take a nine-to-five job because of my temperament. And my degree was in law enforcement, and I told myself, You'll end up in prison or you'll end up dead. So, you don't want to do that. So, you know, I, I took up Murdoch and his deal, but back in the day, they shot on you. They shot on me. They brought in uh, Larry Lane, Jack Briscoe, Hiro They shot uh, Luthez, Carl Got, Billy Robinson. I mean, they had people that would literally break your bones. Oh, yeah. Hogan yeah. had his leg
2: broken by Hiro Matsuda.
0: Hiro Matsuda, yeah. Yes.
2: Yeah. yeah, these guys were shooters. And again, uh, you were not smartened up to the business until they knew they wanted you in the business and that you respected the people in it. It wasn't like it
1: is today at all. At all, that's so true. Because all the people, you know, if you thought you were, oh no, this uh, <laughs> this this is not legit and everything like that, then you ran into a damn bootleg or, or even Adrian Street guys like that, you know. Uh, they could shoot on you. They'd go in there and break your break your wrist, snap your fingers, break your ankle, break, tear up your knee, break your leg. They'd show you. that <laughs> This ain't no joke. Did you're you, under respect or you're going to get nowhere. You, you have to respect the business. Did you ever shoot on anybody, Manny? Oh, yeah, in Florida for 80 grand many times. Oh, my God. When I went to Florida, when I first left Diamond was to go to Florida, of course, Mulligan and Murlock all up there with Terry, and told Eddie and Dusty, you know, here we got a kid, a great little shooter, and you know, freestyle champion in college and stuff, and greatest state champion in high school, and he's a hell of a little shooter. Give him a little let, let him play his dudes over there too, let him, let him earn his way. So when I first got to Florida, old Charlie Lay, remember old Charlie Lay, Bill, very well, Bill very well. Well, yeah, he come in. I, I reported to. uh, the office in Florida there, the old the old office where we did TV taping with Gordon Sully, I reported North to the old Street. office. North Old Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah, sir. And uh, I come in there, I told Charlie Lay, my name's Mary Fernandez. I'm here to meet with uh, Mr. Graham and Mr. Rhodes. And he said, yeah, yeah, you got, your, you got your bags, you got your gear. I said, yeah, I was always told to have my gear, sir. He says, okay, go through that door right there and over there. And when I went through the doors and through the curtains, I to the TV set where the ring was. And I sat old Gordon Zoli, and the uh, first time I met him, he smelled like a 99-proof alcohol. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that was Gordon.
1: Indeed. Oh my, <laughs> oh, my God. I introduced myself like I was taught. Respect. You respect everybody. You introduce yourself. You shake your hands. That's what I was taught. Yes. You know? And, uh, I said, well, go in there and put your gear on, he said. I said, put my gear on? He said, yeah, yeah, go in there and put your gear on. So I went in there and put my boots on with Titan to gone in the ring. So I come down in the ring and <laughs> Jack and Jerry Briscoe and Jesse Rhodes and Eddie Graham come down from them stairs up there in the office. And I had to get in the ring with Jack and Jerry Briscoe and brothers. Oh. I might have been a good amateur wrestler, but boy did I learn a lesson that day. I learned a daggone lesson. They just ripped me from one end of that ring to the other just tore me up. but they kept and they and they I wouldn't quit. And then Joe Lady Graham said, well, Murdoch's right. He won't quit. He's pretty tough. He won't quit. I said, that I'll never do. And then Jerry Brisco did something to me, and I punched him. I said, dude, these I could throw a lot better than what you just did. So I don't know if you want to try me with these, but I guarantee you I'll win in these. <laughs> wow.
0: And, and you know, uh, West, West Briscoe is actually part of the VOC Nation. Uh, West Briscoe does yeah. Briscoe and Big Ace. so. Uh, <laughs> Maybe, maybe we can get everybody together and relive that story well,
1: <laughs> on the yeah, air sometime. You know what's, I, what's so funny, I love Wes. I met him in Florida, in Orlando. We do shows together for a Frank Goodman uh, promotion over there. And Wes came up and sat down next to me and said, you know what? Manny Fernandez, I got a lot of respect for you. My dad tells me you were one of the toughest son of the guns he's ever met in his life. He said about you were. He said he was crazy though. How
0: come everybody says that about me? He says you were crazy though. <laughs> Manny, you said something. I just want to go back to it before we get too far. Obviously, you you uh, tag teamed with Dusty Rhodes in the late seventies, early eighties, and Dusty tells this story about Dick Murdoch being in the KKK, and you mentioned that uh, you know you were in a bar, and they mentioned. The KKK, when Dick Murdoch came along. Is that a true story? Tell me tell me more about that. Well, you know, I always thought
1: he had, when, you know, I drove around when I started my career. I loved Dick Murdoch. He took me everywhere. I went everywhere. I drove for him. I drove mm-hmm. him everywhere. I drove everywhere was my own territory. I got his beer for him. We had a lot of fun together. We got a bar fight together. <laughs> and I always thought he was the movie KKK because he had this super car, but he wasn't. There was no wife, though. I took care of his ranch when he was in Japan and I was in college. And I used to go out and have big parties at his ranch till he found out and kicked my ass. <laughs> 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 but, you know, I never found nothing like that. But everybody said the rumors because that's what they rumored. That's why he was called Captain Redneck. I mean, I never thought. I used to tell He used to tell people introduced me at bars. He goes, this is my only Mexican son I'll ever have. <laughs> disease, I mean, KKK, he was, that's a story. He was never racist, was never racist around me, no. you know. Outside of saying this was the only Mexican son I ever had, but you know, that was a rib, you know. Or, yeah. you know you he,
0: that,
1: he was really, you he was train really that, dedicated, unfortunately, into training me. He was really so dedicated into training me and getting me straight. Listen, when I talk about earning my dues, when I went in there in Amarillo Civic Center to train. With Larry Lane and Sam Dennis Stamp, Dennis Stamp was a great guy. Yes. Great teacher. Good guy. And when I messed up, I didn't when, when it was something I messed up, like a simple arm track, Murdoch would knuckle me upside the head. Sometimes I'd come out of that ring with about 10 knots on my head. <laughs> That's how serious they were about it. Yeah.
2: That's how
1: serious they were about me being good.
2: You know? I well, mean see, today, today with cell phone technology, if somebody tried to do the same thing that the Briscoes and Eddie Graham did to you, the guy, the oh. guy who were being uh, beaten would have taken out his cell phone and dialed 911, had everybody uh, arrested. So uh, yeah, that's a bygone, oh. era, but it toughened everybody up. And if you wanted to be in the wrestling business, you had to obey the code of the wrestling business and you could not do that unless you were tested and bones were broken and all this kind of stuff was
1: going on. You know, so ridiculous. I mean, you had to earn, back then, you had to earn the respect of the old times. You had to respect them. You had to, you know, you should. you come in a, a dressing room and there was guys in there like Dusty and, you know, even Ernie Ladd and Budge McGraw and all the guys that were in there, so, uh, Cyril, Don Morocco, Sir Oliver Humperdinck. You went over there and, and and shook your hand, and Man, nice, nice to meet you, man, nice. you shook your hand. You respected people. And if you got it online and I stupid, you paid the price. And that was part of the business. If you didn't respect the business, they weren't going to respect you. And they would do something to hurt you. And that's all there was to it or get out. I mean, yeah, yeah. you had no choice. Now it's, you know, it's patty cake, It's patty cake stuff. You know, and you don't want to be. It's just unbelievable. What you said to me and right now, it's, even when I train my guys right now, I'm still physical. I get in the ring, as bad as it is, as much as I'm hurting from that, I I still got to get in the ring, put my hands on you, and if it hurts you well, you better go find somebody else to train you. Hmm. Because this is the way I was trained. This is
0: the way I do it in this business that I believe in. This is the way you're going to learn. If not, go somewhere else. I don't need your money let's take a quick break we'll come back on the other side we'll get manny's thoughts on modern day professional wrestling and we'll talk a little bit more about his upbringing this is wrestling with history with special guest manny fernandez uh, myself and uh, wonderful willie bill after back right here on the voc nation wrestling network for over 10 years voc nation has taken listeners behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history Our hosts are not only experts on the business, but have lived in the business. Subscribe and hear weekly podcasts from hosts like legendary pro wrestling journalist Bill Aptor, former Impact Wrestling star Wes Briscoe, former WWE and AWA broadcaster Ken Resnick, former WWE and TNA star Shelly Martinez, former WCW star The Maestro, NWA legend The Raging Bull Manny Fernandez, and much more. VOC Nation programming is free on most major podcasting apps, including iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Radio.com. And video podcast and bonus content is available on Patreon for as low as $3 a month. What are you waiting for? Head to VOCNation.com and dig into the most comprehensive podcast network built for pro wrestling fans. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at VOC Nation Wrestling Network and follow us on Twitter at VOC Nation. Back here on wrestling with history worldwide in the VOC nation wrestling network. And we're in the middle of a massive rebrand that you'll see unfolding in the next couple of weeks, complete with uh, behind the scenes stuff that's going to be launched on the Patreon page. You'll get full video broadcasts of this show wrestling with history uh, in the room featuring pro wrestling illustrators, Brady Hicks and former WCW star, the maestro and lots more. So stay tuned to vocnation.com for that. We got BS with The Bolt coming up, starting soon with our new friend Manny Fernandez. And just before the break, Manny was talking about his wrestling school. And uh, before I do that, I just have to say, uh, follow us on Twitter at VOC Nation. Uh, we got some questions for Manny that I'll read in a few minutes from some of the people on Twitter. But Manny, you talked about your school. We talked about it on the phone. You're not a big fan of the modern wrestling style with uh, you know, high-flying move after high-flying move. Talk to me about that. Well, it's, you know, it's not gymnastics. You could do
1: hot fly moves like I did growing up. I mean, you could throw a beautiful drop kick. You do flying head scissors. Everybody forgot a beautiful flying head scissors. Murdoch used to do flying head scissors with that big pop belly. He could get up in the air, do a flying head scissors. look beautiful. Yeah. That stuff is beautiful. It looks awful, you know? All this flipping and flopping, gymnast stuff. You know, seriously, <laughs> it makes me laugh. Yeah, They might be better off in the U.S. Olympic team, to tell you the truth. But I'm old school. I was brought up old school I'm physical in the ring. I've got to put my, I'm not one of these guys that sits outside the ring and trains people from a chair. I got to get in there and touch you and show you how to, dive, how to do the physical mess, how to grab a proper top wrist lock and a hammer lock, take it down into our bar, you know, shooting stuff, stuff like I did as an amateur wrestler, Making it look like wrestling. Wrestling could get over if you do it the right way and show it in, in, in sections and show them, top wrist lock, break into hammer lock, take it over into an arm bar, bam. You know, that kind of stuff looks beautiful today. But most people don't know how to do that because they can't teach it. They don't know how to teach it. But our school, is, you know, it's here. and it's, it, I'm not pushing my school because I trained enough people to make it in the show. And Bill knows the guys that I've trained. From Booker I Street do. R-Truth, JBL, all them guys, R-Truth, I mean, Homicide, Low Key. I mean, my guys are top quality guys. So, you know, if you can't take the training that I give you in my school, then you don't want to come to my school because I school you the way I was schooled. And if you can't respect that, then I don't need you around. Your school, is old, I, school is old school. Yes, it's totally old school. Boulevard Knox yeah. in West Point, Texas, you know, and, and we have a promotion going with that. Gulf States Wrestling Alliance is it, going to be coming up here in the, this fall once this corona stuff dies off. And that's going to be a total old school. Everybody that's going to come here is going to be old school. There's not going to be, yeah, you could drop kick, flying head scissors, flying uh, high Coronas and everything like that. But, you know, in dives out of the ring like Milmo see That ain't new. Milton used to do that to me all the time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Chavo Guerrero. I mean, <laughs> Chavo Guerrero, when I wrote for him, he'd dive out of the ring, over the top, through the road. That's fine. It's, it's nothing. Okay, still- it's, it's nothing special anymore
2: now because everybody, on when you watch wrestling on TV, it, it used to be that one person per show would do those kind of things. It was variety. Now every match, everybody does the dive over the ropes onto somebody on the floor. Everybody does the top rope. I remember the first time seeing Pedro Morales. Or Mule Mascaris, jump off the top rope. It was spectacular because I hadn't seen it on a show before. And now everybody does the same things.
1: Same thing with the finishes, Bill. Everybody does this. Everybody else is finished and kicks out of it. Everything else. It's like it used to be, man. When Harley Race headbutted you, you were done. Right. It was over. One, two, three. When I hit you with a fine burrito, you didn't kick out. It was over. When you hit the figure four, you either submit or you roll over. But, you know, those kind of things made wrestling what it was. It was something fantastic. Everybody owned something that you couldn't kick out of. It meant something to the people. When they saw it happen, they were like, whoa, it's over. And if you birdie kicked out by the skin of your teeth, they even got more because it only happened a very few times. You know, very, now everybody kicks out of everything. You can shoot the guy with a gun, and he's gonna kick out. <laughs> right. Pretty much.
0: It's only, wait, it's the old Lone Ranger thing. It was a flesh wound. <laughs> you know, yeah. I think back to um, 1988, February 5th, and we just celebrated uh, that anniversary, uh, what, a month ago, of Hulk Hogan dropping the title to Andre the Giant, and that spot where Hogan picks up Earl Hebner over his head, throws him out to DiBiase and Andre, and those guys were hanging around, but they were at least acting like they were, you know, just – kind of regrouping and getting back to the dressing room and they caught Earl and yeah. Earl fell and it was a graceful. And now I think the big problem with these spots to me is guys are just kind of standing around looking and watching people fly yeah. right at them. And if, if you're in that spot, you'd probably move out of the way, right? Yeah, that's you cracked me up. You're right. I watched five or six guys
1: stand outside the ring walking around stupid while the guy slowly climbs up to the top rope, and there's still five six guys looking around like you're stupid. And then the guy finally goes, and you go, Does right. that look stupid? Right? I mean, it's, 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 it's so
2: stupid thing there. The guy's going to jump on him from a guy's in the middle of the ring looking at where his opponent is, and he's standing there on the top rope he finally turns around and you still have to wait five seconds for the guy to take the dive. You could have moved out of the way by then.
0: Right.
1: Right. <laughs> hey, I told, I told a young guy one time, an independent show. In fact, I'll admit before I got my life together, you know, I spent a little time in prison and which kind of woke me up and say, hey, you can't be that crazy all your life. You got to slow down, start getting real with your life and start taking care of your people around you and the people who care for you and take care of yourself, you know, and uh, I told totally a guy one time before that. I told a guy one time in an independent, come up to me, and I don't talk. I go in the ring and I take care of business. You just follow me, and I'm the easiest guy to follow because I learned all that from the greatest. You know, I I I, I wrestled the greatest that ever lived, all of them. Anybody with a name that was great in his business, I wrestled, and that's the that's how I learned the business. That's how I learned to be
0: good in this business. 1979. But I totally got Manny, uh, sorry to to interrupt you there. 1979, uh, you were in Florida, and Terry Funk put you over. You won the Florida Heavyweight Championship, and uh, talking about wrestling the greats and the greats putting you over, uh, that had to be a true honor, especially coming up uh, with the people you did. The, the I don't, I think I told Bill this story, but I'm not sure.
1: It was Terry's idea. Terry thought I was ready. I was eight months in the business, and I I just got introduced as, introduced to Manny Fernandez by Bill After, and I was over there, but I was, I guess I was getting over because Bill's dad would tell me, the people love you, the people love you, you know, and, uh, and, uh, yeah, so it was Terry's idea, it was Terry's idea, and first, Eddie didn't want to go with it, and uh, Dusty was so-so, but it was uh, Terry, Terry, and I, to this day, When I go visit Terry, I always thank him. I said, thank you for what you did for my career because it was you that did it. You know, he says, yeah, well, you ran with it, kid. You ran with it. You know, but it was Terry's idea. It was, you know, it was to get in the ring with Terry Funk and to get in the ring with one of your mentors. And I, I was, thank God that I was blessed and I got in the ring with all my mentors Mulligan and Murdoch and Race and, and Terry and Dory and, and Dennis Stanton and all the people that were part of my coming into the business. I got in the ring to wrestle when I was for of the Heavyweight Champions. That whole crew. Cool. Yeah. Hey, wrestling Terry Funk was night and day. Sometimes we'd be all right and the next time he'd be crazy in and out of the ring out in the street backdrop into a u-haul trailer i mean it was like holy and i'm not getting much in business i don't know what to do but follow i didn't know i was gonna get in trouble. but he said come on kid let's go so all of a sudden we're in the crowd we're outside the doors we're out on the street i'm like holy moly had that
2: edge long before ecw and the magazines we used to publish pictures of like Cyclone Negro uh, and Dory yeah. in like uh, two-hour matches. That the, the 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 Texas Death Match was like originated in that Amarillo territory, and those were the toughest yeah. in the business.
1: Yep, yeah, it's another guy. I got the honor to work with and take Cyclone Negro in that Southwest Championship oh. I, mean, I was blessed. I was blessed with some of the the greatest wrestlers in the world <laughs> all of a sudden like me. And they all wanted to tag you. and me. Ray Stevens, you know. Ah, I had a blast with him. I mean, you go on and on, Don Morocco. I mean, they, I was, in 1979, I was blessed. And everybody came in and worked with me when I was a champ. And and it was it was amazing. It was an amazing run. It, was, it did the greatest thing for me. And it was all Terry. And to this day, I owe him. To this day, I owe him. You know, to this day, I owe everything I am to him. And like you said, I ran with it. Yeah, because you guys gave me that opportunity. They trusted me enough. Eight months in the business to follow their lead. I always, I did, the um, I did what we call the honorable thing: shut up and listen.
0: Yeah, that's what I did. Yeah, that's the accent. You had, a, a, I mean, 25 years, basically, uh, in, in, uh, in the ring, active, consistently active. Uh, you, you wrestled almost everywhere. Major time on TV in the, uh, the mid-'80s with Jim Crockett and uh, legendary stuff with Rick Rude, Abdullah, the Barbarian, uh, the Rock and Roll Express. But, uh, you know, whatever happened, did you ever get an opportunity to go work for Vince and, and uh, make the big bucks in New York? I throw the F off.
1: <laughs> I spent thirty something years in the ring. I didn't want to work for Vince because I'm not a politician. I got in a lot of trouble coming up in the business because I didn't brown nose kiss hats to nobody. If you didn't like what I was, then do what you gotta do. I didn't want their belts. Belts didn't mean nothing to me. I watched Terry Funk beat people and draw more houses when I was growing up in the business of college without a belt. You know, they put belts on me. I didn't ask that. The only one that meant a lot to me was the one Terry Funk got to me. That's the only time. Outside of that, you know, I told him, take your belt back. I don't care. Beat me. I don't care. <laughs> do whatever you got to do. You know, mm-hmm. I told Jim Crockett when me and Rick Rude left, when we were called up, you know, I just, you know, I don't play. My mom raised a man, not a, not a dumbass, right? She raised a man. And I didn't have a father, so my mom raised me. And she taught me to be a man at a young age. So I'm not going to go there and let you humiliate me, put bullhorns on my head. I'm out there like, a rage, but like they did Terry Taylor and all them. Dusty with his eyes. No, I'm not that kind. I don't need you that bad. I've never been. I was raised poor. I was raised, came out of a, a family of a mother only, raising nine children. We were poor. We struggled for everything. So struggling life sometimes in the early parts of your life makes it easier in the later part of your life. You know, I didn't need that. I, I just signed with Japan anyway. I just signed with New Japan and I was getting a great deal from the Japanese company. So I didn't care. I let Rude make yeah. Hey, the bottom line is when me and Rude got together told him he goes, Well, I'm gonna sign. I said, Hey, that's why you're in this business. You're in this business to make money for yourself and your family. Take care of your stuff. Don't worry about me. What are we gonna do about these belts? I said, What do you think?
0: Says, well I ain't giving them up. I said, okay, there you go. So Manny, we
1: told Kwasi,
0: yes. You um I mean you mentioned they uh, they had this gimmick plan with uh, with you as a a raging bull and and uh, kind of <laughs> over the top was that something and, and and you know obviously uh you know whether or not they'd admit it uh they they embarrassed dusty there's a lot of things that they they went over the top on their gimmicks but i got to ask you um th- th- those gimmicks was that when people when vince knew that he had somebody and they needed him more than than he needed them would he take advantage? Like I think of Tony Atlas coming back as Samba Simba. And um, I mean, yeah. Tony Atlas had a phenomenal career, and um, you know, they catch him at a time, he's down on his luck, he needs the work, and um uh they they give him a gimmick. Um, that was really over the top. I mean, is that something that, that they exploited? Yeah, they did. they did see the thing is this you know the one thing I can say about Vince, the only respect
1: I got for Vince really is after I told him to F off, you know, I don't need this. My mom raised a man, not a fool. I'm not going to be a fool for nobody. You know, I, I earned my dues not only in pro wrestling, but on the football field and on the streets of California and the battlefields of Vietnam, okay? I'm not going to be a fool for nobody. So when he went now, nowadays, when I got a student that's good enough, the, the caliber of R-Truth or JBL or Booker T or Stevie Ray, Homicide, all them guys, I called them. And I call John Cohn, who is the the booker of talent, talent and everything like that. Yeah. And and one of the guys is a big backer of me is William Regal. William yeah. Regal is a Manny Fernandez mark. He sat there and told me a story one time. I just laughed. He just thinks I'm a tough, tough guy and he respects me a lot. So when I call and tell him I got some guys to try out, they never tell me no. I said I've taken as many as five guys up there to try out and never said, nobody's, ever, nobody's ever told me no. They've asked Vince, and Vince goes, who is it, Manny Fernandez? They go ahead and tell him to bring him. So I respect him for that. You know, keep I respect it, him for that.
2: Keep, it, keep this in mind, when the thing happened with Tony Atlas, Vince yeah. is looking, and this is not in defense of Vince, I know where he's going in terms of where he wants to take his business. Sure, he wants sure. to trademark a Tony Atlas, change him into a character, make merchandise with him on it he can't own the tony atlas person but he can own sabba simba he can own akim for one man gang etc so his plan moving forward was to create again cartoon-like type of characters that he could not only have wrestle but merchandise as well, which with Dusty, as much disrespect as there was in that, that whole polka dot gimmick to him was in that whole cartoon vein of selling merchandise and branding it that way. He didn't really care about the wrestling fan. He was trying to rebrand wrestling as entertainment. Right, Manny?
1: Exactly, and I'll give him this much, and I've said it a million times, he's a marketing genius. When it right. comes to all that, he's a marketing genius. He's going to market you in his way. If you want to work for him and make a half a million, quarter million, a million dollars, then you're going to be put out there the way he wants to put you out there. And if you don't, then goodbye. Like he would say to people, good luck in your future endeavors. And, you know, I just didn't want to take that road. Like I said, I mean, uh, you know, it's like we talked about, Bruce, uh, a lot of these people that I looked at still trying to get this money out of wrestling and stuff. It's like people going on welfare, waiting for the welfare check. I'm I'm glad I served my country. I'm connected, service connected. I get a monthly, a very good check from the military. I mean, you don't get that unless you serve in a combat zone. So, you know, all these idiots that said uh, I never served and everything, like idiots like Jim Cornette going on radio saying, oh, apparently you don't know my background. If you want to go, you know, but who, who values What value is uh, Jim Cornette's word? Who is Jim Cornette? (laughs) I've
2: got got a question that I need to ask you, because during the break, uh, I was talking to the two of you about all the years that I photographed you. Every time I think about you, Manny, I think about the photo of the night Dusty won the belt for the first time and all the guys in the dressing room pouring champagne over his head and you were standing right next to him.
1: That's because he wanted me there. want wanted be there. I was, Dusty was, you know, the first time I came to Florida, the first, you know, I reported to Florida. Second day when the first road trip we went to Jacksonville and I see this guy pull up in a Rolls-Benzay with a cowboy hat, big old cowboy hat. I said, damn, and he's honking the horn, I go out. It's dusty, he's driving a Rolls Bentley. He said, Come on, you're riding with me, kid. <laughs> I go, Dang, I'm riding in a Rolls Bentley. So I get in the car and he hands me a cowboy hat. He says, put that on. Let's do it now. I said, I don't wear a cowboy hat. He goes, You do now. <laughs> and I knew that this <laughs> was my second day in the territory. So I knew i better <laughs> I better put the hat on. But ever then they was ripped about that hat. And Steve Kern and them guys were always messing with that hat. So I'd always be mad about him. So to tell you the truth about that, we were all excited. He wanted me to be there. You'd be the first one to come with me. You know, he took a real good liking to me because of Murdoch and then Loved me to death, right? So did Terry. But, <laughs> the original deal was I was going pour, <laughs> to pour out the champagne and take a peanut and pour it over his head. <laughs> if oh, <laughs> oh, oh, everybody, that everybody that. else do champagne i figured with this little beer, he couldn't mix it up with champagne he wouldn't notice it <laughs>
0: <laughs> that, that see that's the stuff that only happens in professional wrestling you don't get that yeah <laughs> Back, back in our back in our day, booth, yes it did. Yes, it did. That, that, that. Hey,
1: I'll tell you how many times Jimmy Garvin and Steve Kern put padlocks on my bag and locked it to a locker. I had to cut the handles off so I can get dressed. They hid my boots. Wrestlers
2: like that. I used to Wahoo McDaniel. I used to leave my camera bag in the safety of the dressing room, and I'd come back to the dressing room, my camera bag's gone. everybody oh. <laughs> Probably must have stolen it. Then I go to the next town, and Wahoo just happened to have found it every time we went
0: someplace. (laughs) All the time. All the time. Let's sneak in one. We'll sneak in one more commercial break. We'll come back on the other side. We'll wrap it up with a few questions for Manny, and uh, we'll talk some more about his upcoming podcast here on VOC Nation. you like what you hear, just hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or listen right there at VOCNation.com. We'll be doing some really interesting stuff in the coming weeks. Uh, We'll be back on the other side with some of your questions. This is Wrestling With History Worldwide in the VOC Nation former WCW star The Maestro, NWA legend The Raging Bull Manny Fernandez, and much more. VOC Nation programming is free on most major podcasting apps, including iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Radio.com. And video podcast and bonus content is available on Patreon for as low as $3 a month. What are you waiting for? Head to vocnation.com and dig into the most comprehensive podcast network built for pro wrestling fans. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Nation wrestling network and follow us on Twitter at VOC Nation. Wrestling Yay. with history. Wrestling with history worldwide in the VOC Nation Wrestling Network. And you got all uh, the great shows here at VOC Nation. This one in the room with uh, Brady Hicks and, and uh, former WCW star, The Maestro. Stro also does uh, WCW Retro on Thursday. Shelly Martinez with Shelly Live. Sassy Steffi with her show, Talking Sass. West Briscoe, Briscoe and Big Ace. And soon, we'll have uh, BS with the Bull with Manny fernandez and it's really simple you just subscribe to voc nation radio network one click one subscription you get it all straight to your device and uh guys having a good time today Uh, we got some questions is no bs no no bs with the bull (laughs) no bs with the bull (laughs) no bs with the bull okay i thought bsing with the bull raging bs with the bull no bs whatever I like it. All. <laughs> we he shoots. He tells it like it is. On our Twitter, by the way, follow Voc Nation, and you can vote on our new logo. So, got a couple different designs. We want your input. So, make sure you check out uh, Voc Nation Twitter and place your vote. Bill's voting for number four. Just so you know, when you go on there and you take take a look, I, I like
2: combination dinners. Yes, number four.
0: Hey, uh, Manny, I got, uh, three yes, questions for you from, from, uh, some different fans that, uh, that wrote in Patrick Laughlin says, Manny and Rick Rude made an exceptional tag team. Where did the idea of pairing you up come from as both of you were generally singles wrestlers? Uh, Manny being in Dusty's doghouse, I had
1: just gotten in a fight with Tully. we got in a fight with an argument with Tully and, uh, and uh, then Rude came in from Memphis and they figured, well, put him with somebody that, you know, ain't that capable going and he'll be frustrated and everything like that. It just came as going together that would go nowhere. That's what Dusty's idea. What's supposed to go together? Probably end up nowhere. Well, he was very wrong because I got to give Rick Rude a lot of credit, a lot of credit. He listened to me. And sometimes I was really angry at him for doing dumb things, hurt. Looked like he was hurting people, but he listened and he listened and he got better every time. He, and then he turned out to be one of the greatest partners I ever had, probably the greatest partner I ever had, because we worked together and we did things together without arguing about it. Like Dusty had to do his drop kicks, just because I dropped kicks, Dusty had to show me he could drop here Just because I did this, Dusty had to show me he could do that. You know, it was it was more of a competition than a tag team with Dusty. Here, it was just two guys working together, and it came out, it just came out great. I mean, it messed together, was thrown together out of the blue, and it ended up coming together. It's just beautiful. And you looked
2: great in pictures together, because I remember shooting post photos of you two with the belts.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I loved and respected Rick Rude. I mean, (laughs) there was times that he would get mad at me and tell me, hey, can you calm down and not have a fight tonight? (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> nice Michael Fox Michael Fox says uh, what's your favorite wrestling match from your time in Jim Crockett promotions is there one that stands out uh, above the rest Manny
1: oh god that
0: would be that's kind of
1: unfair because we had so many great matches with the Rock and Roll Express we had so many great matches with the Road Warriors even when we had the great match, matches with Dusty and Nikita. I mean, there was so many good matches. I had with Barbarian and I had with Abdullah. That would be one of the hardest things you know, in the world. I could give you the worst matchup, we ever had. How about that? Yeah, We're tell
0: the me worst the matchup matchup. I like
1: that. Yeah, Rick Flair, Asheville, North Carolina, for the world title. When he got me so mad from doing repetitious, repetitious, repetitious. I just got frustrated through him over the top rope. I got myself the squad fight. So a shoot DQ. Was that a shoot DQ? <laughs> that was a shoot. Wow. I just threw him over the top. Your, your baby face don't throw a heel over the top, bro. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. Did you make sure he
0: landed hard?
1: Yeah. I'll never forget that, day because Crockett and Dusty were mad, mad. I was in the doghouse again. I used to be in the doghouse all the time. Carter came in and said, "Well, you'll never wrestle for the
0: world title again." I shook his hand and said, "Thank you." (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Uh, Steve Johnson wants to know, uh, "What what, did you have a good time working for Joel Goodhart in the TWA?" Uh, Not not a whole lot of people might know about Joel Goodhart, but uh, (laughs) TWA was big in Philadelphia before ECW. I love Joel Goodhart. I, I had a blast.
1: We had some great. He had some great shows so good. heart was a good man. Good man. He was, he took good care of me. He's, He's still around.
2: He, I just saw him about a year ago. He's now a financial advisor. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good. Good. A financial good. advising company. The squared Circle oh, wrestling
0: you. Alliance, right? Uh, uh, and that was that was his his uh, he had a fan club he had and and he was one of my inspirations you know uh, getting into sports radio was uh, was Joel Goodhart uh, he, he had a show in the late 80s on sports radio 610 WIP in Philadelphia which is now on the FM dial and it was called wrestling radio and Joel Not only plugged his his TWA, but he used to, you know, kind of read the dirt sheets from Meltzer and uh, Wade Keller. And, you know, as an eight or nine-year-old kid, you're like, wow, I get I get inside information. Yeah, I hated that. Hold on, let's go back back here. So you're an eight
2: or nine-year-old kid. So was a shoot to you when you were eight or
0: nine years old. It was. Uh, You know, there was um, I think as a kid, you you knew that it wasn't not everything added up, but I believe that what happened in the ring was real and scary. And that anybody could beat anybody uh, if if they wanted to. And, you know, I, I always thought, well, maybe they predetermined this stuff. But Joel used to say, listen, Vince McMahon has admitted that his stuff is fake, but nobody else's is fake. My stuff's not fake. NWA is not fake. Right. And um, so as a kid, I believed that. And, and I remember going, Joel used to do shows in Philly called Bar Wars. You remember that, Manny? Yes, I do bar wars and dc drake was his champion and uh, my dad was yelling at dc drake when dc was coming to the ring and i'm like dad this guy will will hurt us you need to stop you need to sit down and uh, i don't want to i don't want to get hurt so i believed it was real absolutely okay well we're going back
2: to the beginning here
0: with when you had kind of like a
2: really manny you thought it was a shoot huh and now okay
0: closer oh, yep Yep. Uh one more question yeah. any from from Pat and uh he says uh who in the wrestling business today deserves a flying burrito. Thanks so ma- for so many entertaining years. <laughs> who in the wrestling business deserves a flying burrito? Chris Jericho. You know,
1: no, he wouldn't he's not worthy. Um I don't know. I just don't keep up with wrestling. You know what's funny thing about me? I never watch wrestling, not even when I was involved in it. It's not something I turn the TV on and watch. I don't know who's in the business. I don't know a lot of people. Sometimes when I go to these conventions, of course, I know Bill Apter and the old-timers, but some of these guys that got released and I go from WWE, people would tell me, you know what that is? I said, no. What do you mean you don't know what that is? Well, I don't know who they are. Well, they just go to release them. I don't watch that stuff, dude. It's not something I don't even watch. I hardly watch football anymore because I'm starting to get to work. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it interesting, Manny,
2: that when some of the guys that come over to you that were just released from WWE, they
1: know who you are, but you don't know
2: who they are. Yeah,
1: that's, that's sad because I don't want to. And I don't mean to be rude. I just, you know, I'll always shake your hand and say, how you doing? You know, if they come up to me, how are you doing? And I, I still go up to them because they're there around. I still go up to them, you know. Just, Something that's embedded embedded in you and embedded in you all your life since 1978, that's going to stay with you. That's that's going to stay with you. It doesn't go away. It's just like my service to my country. It doesn't go away. I took an oath to serve this country, and that will never be taken away from me. It will be with me till the day I die. Amen. Till the day I die. So same thing with wrestling. I took an oath to defend this, this business and protect it, and that's what I'll always do. That's exactly what
0: I'm I'm partners
1: with you on that for sure.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good way to go out uh, for sure. Manny, this has been a fast fast flying hour, and I know we're going to have a great time in the coming weeks with uh, No BS with the Bull here on VOC Nation. And uh, this just, I mean, your stories are, are awesome. Uh, you seem like such a, a fun person and a good guy. And I know the fans are going to connect with you. And um, I'm excited to have you as part of our team here at VOC Nation. And thank you for having me. And uh, yeah. don't let me go out without saying, Bill, Bill
1: after take care. I love you, brother. Be safe. Same with you. You know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll take
0: care of you. yourself and your family. I will see you at the matches eventually (laughs) manny we'll talk we'll talk offline and uh and we'll get synced up for this show okay sounds great to me bruce all right have a a great have a great day week and uh everything else take care y'all god bless all right bill um great time with uh I i enjoyed that so much i don't know what did i do uh I hit the wrong button okay yeah manny fernandez just uh, one of the greats of all time and one of the most memorable talents of all time so i had a lot of fun and if we can't have ken at least we got somebody else that's uh, almost equally as entertained well you know
2: to, i don't think ken had as tough of an upbringing <laughs> in or out of the ring than Manny Fernandez did but yeah Manny is one of the the uh, the true legends of professional wrestling now a lot of people just kind of like oh I remember that guy and to me he's somebody who should have been elevated to the highest point of the National Wrestling Alliance it didn't happen and like he said you know he didn't need belts and he was
0: he was a genuine tough guy but underneath all that he was a real sweetheart Amen. Well, listen, I had a good time uh with you this week. Next week, Ken's back, hopefully. Uh shoulder and some other stuff permitting. Uh we hope Ken uh, Ken's shoulder's feeling better. Yeah. I mean, He's... I thought it was something I said. Oh but... uh, it it always could be, Bill. It's it always could be something. No. Uh, Ken, uh, we we hope that his shoulders feeling better. He's been struggling for a little bit, and uh, you know, just uh, just needed a little bit of a break this week. So uh, we're happy to come have him come back, and then we'll go back to the planned. Bruce, we got to do kayfabe
2: here. Uh, Ken is out on assignment, uh, interviewing <laughs> several wrestlers about some things that are going on between WWE, AEW, NWA, Ring of Honor, and Japan. And hopefully he'll have that story
0: for us next week. That's better than the separated show. All right, there we go. I like that one. Were you taping that? Was I not supposed to? <gasps> I did it again. I did it again. Listen, that story that you just said may come true one day, but only after Triple H takes over and Vince McMahon is, uh, is, is in the past. That's my vote. That's my prediction. Like Nostradamus,
2: that's very
0: interesting. Nostradamus right. predicting uh, the zombie apocalypse. I, I had a good time with you this week. Next week, we'll talk Bye. about um, uh, uh, Verne Gagne. And um, we had Verne Gagne, Harley Race, and Bruno. But we're going to change it up a little bit. We'll have some mix of that. But I think what... Uh, we're going to need more time for Bruno and Harley race. So uh, we will get together with Ken and we'll, we'll figure out uh, how to steer that topic and uh, make sure that we do all three of those guys justice. So stay tuned, stay tuned to uh, you can follow us on Twitter, either VOC nation Resnick after VOC, which is the show podcast or bill at after one wrestling.
2: Yes. Yes. And by the way, I want to thank all you people for continuing to follow one onewrestlingvideo.com and you can catch those videos right here at the voc nation along with this great great entertaining podcast and informative too and there's lots more coming that none of you know about yet
0: yeah we've got a lot of great stuff planned numbers are uh, phenomenal up 23 percent month over month uh, in the uh, first two months of months of the year and up over what we were doing last year so continuing to grow here uh major investments that you'll see in the near future and uh and that's it that's all we're going to tell you today right. for the legendary bill after thank you i'm the voice of choice bruce word and bill we will see you at the matches bruce eventually bye everybody
1: regain
0: the championship. This right here is the future of wrestling.